Son of Man coming in clouds with power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its leaves, twigs get tender and its leaves come right out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. And It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each one with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. This is the gospel of the Lord. Speed to God. You may be seated. So what I'm going to try to do with you this morning, and apologize in advance if it feels like the plane is landing, but then we take off like a touch and go. We're going to do three little things today. One is there's a metaphor in the text that we'll look at, the watching, the watchman metaphor. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about the mission of the church and how that relates to, to the end times, and then we'll try to bring the two things together as we think about our life together as a church. So we'll do those three things there's a place for taking some notes on the backside of the sermon notes that where the gospel was. Um, would you pray with me as we begin? Lord Jesus Christ, you are coming and you are coming soon. And I, I don't know about the rest of everybody here, but I can't wait. I can't wait. We can't wait for you to come back to gather us together, to finally rescue us from this evil age and to bring us into the home that you have prepared for, for us from all eternity I can't wait, and at the same time, we realize, Jesus, we still have work to do. So make us urgent and serious about the task set before us in preaching and in listening and in sharing. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, let it all be pleasing in your sight, God. You are our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's see. Wrong way. I always get this clicker messed up. So the watchman metaphor, is it's right there in front of the text. Did you catch it? Four times, at least four times throughout this entire reading from Mark, he says, watch. And it's not always the same kind of word with the same kind of intent when Jesus said it, but it's all the same kind of metaphor. Sometimes Jesus is saying, open up your eyes around you. And then to Christians who see these things happening, who, he, who see room, wars and rumors of war, who see famines and earthquakes, who see the love of most growing cold, to Christians who see, he says, understand what those things mean. So see with your eyes and then see with your heart of faith. Watch. There's another part of this which is, which is vigilance. 
a, a watchfulness sort of thing. So when you see these things coming, what are we going to do? We're going to pay attention and be vigilant. We're, there, there's a warning in here to be that Jesus says to us, don't be lax or lazy. Like he said to the disciples a couple days after he said this, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. So there's, a, there's an alertfulness. And then there's a kind of a, I'll call it a protectiveness about this watching, like a watch out for kind of thing. We're watching out for our own well-being, watching out for other people. So, so you can kind of get the idea as you look at this that a watchman has an incredibly important job. The one who stands on the hill, the one, the one who watches over the, the business or the city, he has a really important job because he's watching for three, I'm going to go quick, He's watching for three groups of people. He first, he watches for himself. Now you might be thinking to yourself, that's a little bit selfish. Shouldn't he be watching out for everybody else? But, but on the very surface of things, at the very beginning of a watchman's job, if he falls asleep at the job and something terrible happens, who gets it first? It's the watchman. It's, it's in a sense a matter of self-preservation. If an enemy is coming at him, if, if a storm is coming on the horizon, he's just sleeping on top of the, on top of the city wall, he's going to get it first. So, so the watchman first watches for the sake of their own well-being, for the sake of self-preservation. But it's not just for them that they watch it. It's also for the people of the city. Right? Inside the city walls, are, are his, his wife and his kids. Inside the city walls are his family and his friends. Inside the city wall are his fellow watchmen and women. Inside the walls are his king and his leader. Inside the city walls are all these people whom he loves and cares about. So this, the watchman, he stands guard for the people whom he loves, the people in the city. But what watchman be if he only cared about his own people? See, there are people outside the city walls whom he also loves and cares about. He might not even know them yet. In fact, he might not even like them much. They might have caused him some sort of trouble. They're outside the city walls, but he keeps watch for the sake of them because he knows if he knows a danger is coming and the people sleeping in the plain watching their sheep or just taking care of things outside the city wall, if an enemy comes, he wants them to be aware too so that they can come inside the city walls and be safe. I think you can begin to sense that a watchman has a really important job because his own salvation depends on it. The salvation of the people inside the city depend on it. And at the very least, he wants to warn the people outside the city walls and invite them to come in to be safe. Maybe you can already begin to make some mission connections. Robert Weber, let's see if I can... Guys, go... Nope, that's too many. There it is. Robert Weber, this is part two. Robert Weber says this about evangelism. He says that evangelism not only converts people, but brings them into the, full life, into the full life of the church and seeks to keep them there. 
So in other words, when he thinks about evangelism, this is a book he wrote about evangelism through worship. When he writes about evangelism, he's thinking about evangelism as a lifetime thing that happens. So, so baptism, right? Awesome. But what, did we, what do we pray about at the end of the baptism? That's an awesome thing. You're ushered into God's family, but now what's next? Let's bring you into the life of the church to bring you into the word and sacrament life of the church and do all that we can to keep you in word and sacrament. Right? He views evangelism, and I think there's something to this, that evangelism is not just a one-time thing. Telling our, sharing our faith with somebody is good, but, play, but we want to go beyond that, don't we? To nurture and grow a person in their faith. One of our, one of our elders says this to me often when, when another saint dies and goes to heaven, there's a little bit of this. We got another one across the finish line. Because the goal of all of this, the goal of the mission of the church, the goal of our life together as a body of believers is, is, is not just to tell. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. But to do all that we can with the gospel so that people are welcomed into the life of the church, which happens on Sunday and on Monday too, so we remain children of God so that another one crosses the finish line. And so what that means is that our, the, the Board of Outreach, our outreach team, and all that we are as a congregation is outreach doers, right? That's evangelism. We're planting seeds, we're opening doors, we're letting people know about the gospel. What the Board of Nurture does, the, our elders, what they do is, is they're, they're trying to keep people connected. Right? Trying to incorporate people and bring people into the body of Christ. What, our, what the Board for Ministry Support does, the finances and the properties, we're, we're trying to create spaces and environments to do this gospel ministry. What our school does is we're teaching and sharing the gospel so that people are welcomed into the life of the church, which, by the way, the school and church, it's a weird thing to say school and church because it's all church. It's all ministry. It's all sharing the gospel to bring people into the life of the church and do all that we can to keep them there. So, so one of the ways that we've been talking to, about this in our, at our leadership level, we want to think with you about this today, is we've talked about front doors. Right? If we can imagine the church like a city or maybe more like, like a home, we think about the front doors where, where people first come into contact with the full life of the church. Maybe that's just the website. Maybe that's a postcard. Maybe that's a flyer. Maybe that's an invitation from you. Maybe that's just a gospel word from you. Maybe not even an invitation, but just you sharing the gospel of Jesus. Maybe it's one of our events that isn't even gospel preaching centered. It's just an event where people get to meet us. Because when people come to your front door, you maybe don't know much about them at all or even want why they're there. And maybe you won't even invite them in. But here at Mount Lebanon, we want to make sure that the front door is wide open so people can come in and get to know us. And, and once you've come through the front door, well, what happens next? If you invite somebody into your home, where do they go next? Usually, anyway, it's, it's the living room. And that's where you sit down and get to know somebody just a little bit better. Here at Mount Lebanon, we get to know people a little bit better when we ha eat snacks together. It's one of the reasons we, we like to eat, but we also like to hang out. We get to know each other as people, get to know each other who we are, what, what our life is like, what kind of jobs that we do. But in a deeper way, we get to know each other, what we believe when we sit down. Pastor Krieger and I, primarily Pastor Krieger, we walk through a class called Christian Essentials. 
where people get to learn what it is that we believe and teach, where people get to understand who we are as, as a body of believers. What do we hold as true? What does God's Word say about this and that and the other thing? We get to know each other. That's what happens in the living room. And then, where? Do, let me ask you this, see if you know. Well, we could debate this one too, but I'm going to give you an answer. Where do some of the most serious and intimate conversations happen? When you're arguing about the budget, where do you argue? You can't talk about your parents. I won't let you answer. <laughs> Kitchen table. Right? When you're really trying to hash, thing out, hash things out, when you're really trying to work through things, you sit down at the kitchen table. Can you allow this to be a metaphor for the table? Yeah. The most in, one of the most intimate things that we do as a body of believers is kneel or stand side by side and shoulder to shoulder at the table, capital T, to eat the body and blood of Jesus to receive the forgiveness of sins. And as we walk together as a body of believers, we, we gather united at the table, capital T, and then we sit at other tables, lowercase t, and enjoy each other's company and work through the hard stuff of life. Right? So as, as a body of believers, and, and that's, I'm, I'm going to spend more time talking about this later, and I promise it won't be another sermon. But let's just remember for a minute, and I'll invite you to read this with me. Who are we and why are we here? Can you read this with me? We are a community for the community. We are here to share God's Word, to connect people to Jesus and to our caring Christian community. That's what we want. What I want for you as one of your pastors is to greet you in heaven or to have you greet me when I get there. It is one of my greatest pleasures and joys to sit with you and sing with you and pray with you as you prepare to meet your Savior Jesus. It's one of my greatest joys and pleasures to walk with you shoulder to shoulder to heaven. And it's not something that I do alone or Pastor Krieger does alone. We do it for each other. So would you do something for me? Would you look at the person to your right and say, I want you in heaven with me. Oh, uh, that didn't work. <laughs> look at whoever you want to. Just look at a person. <laughs> Don't look at the back of a head. That didn't work. Let's try this again. Look at a person, not the back of their head. Okay, ready? I want to... <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> that was chaos. I'm sorry. But that's the spirit of what we're doing here, right? It's living in it as a community of believers, walking with the word. The life of the church is word and sacrament, right? And it's what word and sacrament in everyday life. It's, it's, it's a practical, everyday thing. Walking hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder, toward heaven together. Walking together as a body of believers. So I think you can probably make this connection. But... Part three, I've always wondered why we're called Mount Lebanon. People tell me that we're on a little bit of a hill. People tell me that there are kind of cedars of Lebanon somewhere or something like that. I'll let you say that, okay? 
And I won't argue with you because practically it doesn't make sense. Let's just leave the name the way it is, okay? I've come to appreciate it though. Because when you think, because there's so much about mountains. And the, the watchman, where does he stand? On a high place, on, on a mountain. And what does he do? He sounds the trumpet. And he, and he watches. So, so if you'll allow these, these things to collide, what are we going to do? We're going to watch for ourselves. That's, what, that's actually one of the primary things that Jesus is saying in this section of Mark chapter 13. Your salvation matters. So watch, be vigilant, be attentive, be, be, be zeroed in on the word and word of our Savior Jesus. Be, be looking up in his, in, with the eyes of your heart toward his coming again. Long for his coming. Don't fall asleep in the, in the faith. Watch and pray, Jesus said later, so that you will not fall into temptation. We'll watch for ourselves. But that's not all we'll do. Let's, let's watch out for each other. Those people that you spoke to a moment ago, these are our people, and there's more than this, but these are our people, right? Wouldn't it be a cool thing if somebody suddenly stopped coming to church? Wouldn't it be a cool thing if they got 18 phone calls from members who said, I wonder where they are? And if they didn't just disappear without, without anybody noticing, right? They might get annoyed with the 18 phone calls, but that's okay. It means we love them. What it, we watch out for each other. Because I don't know about you, but I stumble and fall, and I need the encouragement of my brothers and sisters in the faith to encourage me, to correct me, to forgive me. Right? So we'll watch out for each other, and, and we'll watch out for the people outside the walls. Right? The mission of the church is not just about us in here, but it's also for them out there. And at the very least, we want to make sure that our doors are open. Not just, not just actually, but that our posture is open to receive people. I don't, I don't know what an open posture looks like, but it's not this. It's this, maybe. And it's this, maybe. It's, it's an open look, and it's, I, I'm, I'm glad you're here. Maybe it's just a face. Right? We'll, we'll watch out for. You, you know, there is, I'm bringing the plane in for a landing just so you're ready. <laughs> there, there is a heavy burden that a watchman and a watchwoman bear. Think about the pressure of their job. If they fall asleep, not only are they wrecked, but everybody else is too. That's a big burden, right? It's huge. We're watchmen on the walls. We're watchmen standing on the mountain. But we do not watch alone. We do not bear the burden of saving the city or even the burden of saving ourselves by water and by blood. You have been given a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. I'm channeling Peter right now. 
You've been given this new birth by water and blood into a living hope and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Everything that you have today, it's going to wear out. It's going to perish, spoil, or fade. But you've been given a birth into an inheritance that cannot and will not perish, spoil, or fade. And it's kept. It's kept in heaven for you. It's got your name on it. There's there's an inheritance for you with your name written on the side of it. it. It's guarded and kept and watched by your Savior Jesus so that when you enter eternity, he'll get to say, I've been saving this for you. And that inheritance is not the only thing that's kept. You too, you, all of you, are being shielded by God's power until you receive that inheritance. So not only is the inheritance kept and watched, but you are kept and watched and shielded and guarded so that you receive that inheritance. By water and blood, you are given birth into that inheritance and your Savior watches for you. And he watches for everybody else here too and everybody outside the walls. So we do have work to do. We watch. We wait. And while we watch and wait, our Savior watches too. And he will not forsake his own. Amen? Now the God of peace grant you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you. Amen.